Less Doing, episode 128. Ari talks with Jesse Lawler of Smart Drug Smarts. Welcome to the Less Doing podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, it's Ari Mizell. Welcome to the Less Doing, More Living podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little-known, extremely painful, and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road a radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people. And over time, I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the less doing more living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL lessdoinglive.com, or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now enjoy today's podcast, and if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 128 of the Less Doing podcast. And I have the extreme pleasure of having some guest co-hosts today. Make it easy on myself because they both have the same first name, Dave Rail and Dave Will. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up, Ari? Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Dave Rail has been on the, as a co-host a couple times, but Dave Will has not. So Dave, why don't you just introduce yourself real quick and let everybody know what you do. Yeah. So I, I have to say though, that I've heard the podcast or, or at least one of them with Dave Rael on it. And the kid has an amazing voice. He's, <laughs> he's got a radio voice. I mean, I have no idea what I sound like in a podcast. So this should be interesting to, to listen back to later. You sound um, like a 14 year old boy, just so you know. Oh, wicked cool then. Thanks. I think I also have a radio face too, is something I've been told. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I am an entrepreneur and a dad and a husband. I, I've got three little boys, a, a beautiful wife and a, a business that's 13 years old. It's a software company, uh, software and services. And um, um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good summary of who I am. Cool. Well, uh, both Dave and Dave are members of the Less Doing Mastermind. They are super less doers, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you guys on here. So thank you for taking the time to do this. So the, the today's interview is with Jesse Lawler of Smart Drug Smarts. Now, uh, Dave Rail, have you ever heard that podcast? I have, yeah. I've listened to it on and off a little bit. I've, uh, I, I'm a novice in the uh, the, the nootropics uh, kind of realm, so I, I don't know a whole lot. And uh, it's one that kind of uh, one of those podcasts that didn't make the cut when I was trying to slim down the the, the number of podcasts I've been listening to. But it, it is one I've been exposed to a bit. Yeah, so it's it's actually it's one of my favorites, and I'm not a big nootropic user. I've, I've 
definitely tried out several as you know I talked to you guys about before. But uh, it, he just finds such interesting experts on the topics that he goes into, and they're not. He, he rarely actually talks about specific nootropics. Like one of the episodes that was my favorite was he talked to a guy who, uh, the scientist who believed that we actually originated in the ocean. Uh, humans originated in oceans rather than on land based on the way that our brains grew and how the omega fatty acids that were provided by land-based animal protein would not have possibly been able to explain the growth that we experienced. It's just really interesting stuff. So anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a great podcast. So you said it's, this is smart drug smarts, smart is drug that? smarts. It, the the yeah. podcast so smart. It's got smart in the title twice. <laughs> smart drug smarts. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now online. So the first app I want to talk about actually is something that Dave will will really appreciate, I think. So it's called the Random Run App, randomrunapp.com. And the tagline is stop running in the same old circles. So basically you tell it what how many miles or kilometers you'd like to run and it it routes a random route for you. Hmm. It, of course in your area. Yes, yes, I don't think it's and, and well, yeah, I'm wondering so so how does it, a lot of these apps I think are really cool when you live in a big city or when you live uh um, well, in a big city. I mean, there's tons of apps, Ari, that you bring to the table that just sounds so cool and it's such a tease because I live on the south shore of Boston, so I live in the burbs. And so we don't have people anxious to deliver groceries right to my house uh, on a on a whim. And uh, if I need a new toothbrush, all of a sudden, it's not going to be here in five minutes as if I were in New York City. So um, is this one of these apps that works in uh, the burbs or is this a, a local city app? No, this will definitely this will work anywhere because they're not pre-planned routes. It's actually planning a legitimately random route from wherever you are taking a loop of you know how long you want to run for and and bringing you back home basically so mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting and it's i mean it's obviously using google maps or something to to route a reasonable route so i don't think it's going to take you on a highway or anything like that but it's cool if you're and, and the reason i by the way for everyone listening the reason i suggest this for dave will is that he is a runner he's a marathoner um and he's done 44 marathons uh yeah yeah 45 will be uh february 22nd yeah, so there you go. So this uh, might be something for you to check out and let us know what you think. I will do that. I'm at, at the site right now. This looks cool. Thanks. Cool. So th- this next one is uh, it's it's a very basic site and offering, I think, but it's pretty cool, I think. It's called probs.io, and it's basically you post a problem and you invite others to help you solve it. And you use a link. It basically, I mean, this is pretty simple. But basically, you put the problem title and the describe the problem, and then you get a link, a sharing link. So what they say is it's free, crowdsourced problem solving. So you would basically create the problem or the, the thought experiment, whatever it might be, and then you would post that on social media or wherever, and anybody can click on the link and then sort of fill in answers. So it's kind of an interesting idea, actually. I, I'm not sure the exact benefit necessarily of rather than just posting it on you know Facebook, like, hey, I need help with this. But I think that this provides some structure to it, and you can use this on multiple sources. So you could mention it on a podcast, you put it on Twitter, on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, and everybody can kind of come to this central location to help solve the problem. It's interesting that I don't see kind of a list of existing problems right? or anything like that. Here. I agree, yeah. I so thought that was I, an know, odd the, thing. The, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the Stack Exchange Network, which uh, kind of uh, began as a as a 
programmer kind of a question and answer forum. And uh, I think that, that that's got some similarity where, where people just go and ask questions. And there's a, there's a whole, uh, you know, everybody in, in the universe can go and answer those questions. And, and there's there's a reputation system and it becomes this big game of, of trying to answer questions. And, uh, you know, si- since they started with uh, Stack Overflow was the original one for programmers, they've got a whole network of, of sites dedicated to a whole bunch of different topics. So uh, d- d- depending on what problem means, it seems like, uh, you know, the Stack Exchange Network might be a better fit for a lot of this stuff where, where you've got this actual game element of it motivating people to come in and answer. But uh, I don't this this is worth uh, looking at a little deeper to to kind of figure out what it is and, and what what motivates people to come and come and answer these questions. And if you are they discoverable or is it really just you, you're sharing it with people? I, I guess that's not really much of a crowdsourcing if that's the case. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm curious what the level of anonymity is to this. I see you can sign in with Facebook, um, but it, I'm curious if you want to ask a or get some help with a problem that's personal or work related and you don't want to be associated with that problem. I wonder if that's, if you can do that or do you know, Ari? No, I don't actually. And that's a good question. Uh, there are, I think there are some services to get anonymous feedback on things, but this, this may or may not be one of them. Hmm. I'm so, going to try. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, okay, so the next one is an interesting idea. It's called What Sim. So whatsim.com. And it is a, I've actually reviewed a couple of global communication, like SIM card things in the last few weeks. I don't know why this, there seem to be a lot lately, but this one is dedicated to chat. And it's really interesting. So it's only 10 bucks or, or 10 euros, I guess. And for that, you basically get what looks like nearly unlimited chatting ability on any messaging platform. So you can use WhatsApp, for instance, or you can do iMessage and you can use, you can text as you can text pictures and video and, you know, multimedia information. So it's not, but it's not for voice, which tends to be really expensive, even if you do get like a local SIM card. And it works on over 400 mobile operators in 150 countries with this one SIM card. If you really, I, I, I guess it's a pretty specific, uh, you know, requirement that that somebody would really want something like this, where where you're in a lot of different places and and where uh, that that kind of communication is is really, uh, you know, something that makes sense to you. But that that could, that would be uh, be really awesome if if that's if that's something you need. Yeah, well, I think that we're getting better and better, or not, not, not we're getting better. I think people are getting better at chat based stuff or maybe yeah. more comfortable. Like a lot of people just don't want to get on the phone as much anymore. And you know, I, I I'm waiting for Dave will to pop up here with your, your objection that you prefer to get on the phone with people. Are you going to say that? You know, Ari, <laughs> I, I have no idea what you guys have been talking about for the past minute and a half because I'm so into this, uh, probs thing. <laughs> and I want to Fair take enough. you back to it in a minute. So, um, yeah, just go on without me right now. Okay. No problem. <laughs> Um, so yeah, well, I, I agree with you, but I, I think that, you know, as more and more people seem to be doing texting and chat based stuff, this, this could be a really good option if you're traveling frequently. Yeah. Um, so then the next one is an yeah. app. Oh. Yeah, I, do, I do have something to contribute. Go ahead. To. I, I just read a blog post this morning, um, uh, uh, from a gentleman who was a very successful, uh, um, entrepreneur sold his business for, uh, nearly a hundred million dollars. And so he's involved in all kinds of great things, including uh, a number of startups and helping organizations become startups. So as you can imagine, somebody like this 
is constantly getting hit up by entrepreneurs that want advice and want to sit down and have lunch with them, have a cup of coffee. And so his response to all this was, there's a lot of stuff that I can manage over email. And so my first request is, well, send me your questions. Let's see if I can address some of your ideas or some of your questions over email. And then if it progresses, let's meet for a cup of coffee. So that may, um, and I subscribe to that perspective too. I like email as a first touch. Good. Yeah. I just think it's, you know, it's more manageable in a lot of cases to have it in text. So, uh, great. Well then the next one is an app called you health and it is eye tracking brain training. So this is, this is really interesting. Uh, we were just before we got on the call, we were talking about, Peak as that brain training software. This one is a brain training software, but it actually uses eye tracking to help with your focus and attention. I think that this is primarily this is aimed more at children to help them with you know maybe attention deficit disorder or, or hyperactivity. But it's uh, using the phone's camera to actually track the movement of your eyes and can help you be more focused with your attention. It's pretty interesting. And it's U Health. Is that the letter U or the, the letter U? Yeah, the letter U, and it's a uh, it's made by U Move with the letter U, and it's an iPhone app that's on the uh, the App Store. So um, the 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 graphics are very sort of cartoony, but you know I, I'm I'm guessing it's saying like you know focus on the bird or focus on the the the, the red bird or the yellow bird, and then it's actually verifying that you're doing that. So pretty interesting idea, and kind of amazing to me that they can do that kind of level of eye tracking with the camera. Hmm. Yeah, that just sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so then the next one is, I, I just wanted to share this. I was interviewed for an article in Fast Company that came out earlier, or last week, I guess. And it's called The Perils of Time Tracking. And basically, the reporter contacted me because he was saying how, you know, there's so much from time tracking apps and services. And, you know, I'm looking for the perspective of somebody who thinks that maybe it's, it's, there's a negative side to it. And what I was saying, you know, you, people can read the article. It'll be in the, in the, the show notes. But the, the main point that I made that I wanted to say to people was that, yes, there's all this stuff you can track. And I am a huge proponent of tracking, of course. But as far as time tracking necessarily, I think a lot of people will go a little bit overboard and you have things like Toggle or Harvest where you can track your, your minutes and your hours and people, you know, I worked for 15 minutes, start and stop and then they, I'm going to the bathroom now and start and stop and that like clock punching mentality is not something that I like and as Dave Rail knows very well, uh, Chris Dancy, who was on the podcast before, who tracks thousands of metrics in his life, he makes sure that he doesn't have to do anything active to make that happen. So that's one thing, is that it's good to track this stuff, but it's not good to make the tracking itself the activity. And then the other thing is that what I was saying is a lot, uh, ironically, a lot of the people who will do a lot of this tracking are not necessarily the same personality type of people who will actually act on that information. As weird as that may sound. Does that make any sense? Or because I can clarify. Yeah. Now, to, to me, it makes sense. It falls in the same category of, of people who network not to improve their business, but network for the sake of networking. Networking becomes the end goal, not improving the business. But I, I think there's a similarity between that and people that want to track their time, not to improve how they use their time, but simply to 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 be tracking something, to be doing something and check it off. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I, I think that's right too. You know, I, I actually did read that article. It came up in Newsly, uh, telling me that hey, here's some news about Ari. So, um, but but I, I did read the article, and I think you make a good point there. And really, uh, I think you characterized uh, Chris Dancy pretty accurately. That that yeah, things that require your effort. Uh, for one, uh, it requires effort and time, and and uh, you know takes away from from other things you could be doing and thinking about. And two, uh, it's you know th- there's there's the uh, the, the question of how well you're going to do it and how how long you're going to keep doing that, right? You, you've you've got to keep doing it. So you know, I, I've been uh, doing uh, some uh, traffic tracking of my time just by virtue of the fact that I'm doing the Pomodoro technique and uh, I'm using uh, an application to do my my Pomodoro timer that also associates those Pomodoros and the time that that I've got the timer running with uh, with activities in there. That that's the uh, I've mentioned this to you guys before the Kanban flow. Uh, website that, that, that I'm using that, that uh, it, it basically provides a, a Kanban board. And so all of these things can be different activities. And then, you know, my, my, my Tom, Pomodoro time is going along with those. Uh, but, you know, my point is not really so much tracking my time. It's just that, hey, I, I, I want to have this timer and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've got basically, and I'm not using really, I think, Kanban flow as it's intended because I'm not really using it so much as a Kanban board as, but as much as, you know, I've got one thing I'm working on and I, I've got my timer going and then I've got basically a, a to done list when when I drag things off of my you know what I'm working on and then it goes into a, a things a list of things that I have done which is kind of a nice record to go back and see those things. So I, I think that uh, time tracking when it's kind of an accident um, or not necessarily an accident but you know a, a byproduct of what it is you're doing uh, it, it can make a lot of sense. But I, I think your 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 uh, sentiment about you know th- that it can uh, be counterproductive makes sense. Yeah. So, Dave, I I, um, I use Bedit, which Ari introduced to me several months ago, and and it's interesting because I use Bedit, but uh, in much the way that we're talking about, that is really valueless, which is just as a way to monitor my sleep patterns. So I, I do not use Bedit as a way to improve my sleep, and I think that some it's a conscious decision. To uh, to well, it's, it's a conscious decision to use these apps. Number one, but it's a it's a separate and different decision to use these apps to improve the way you do things. So I, yeah, and that was the point I was making. But I will I'll just tell you with the sleep tracking, it's actually a different thing because believe it or not, uh, they've they've shown this. Just being aware of what the system said the quality of your sleep was has an effect on your on your cognitive function that day. Hmm. So what they did, they did this really funny study, I thought, actually, with college kids where they had them go into a sleep lab and do a real proper sleep study. But then regardless of how well they slept or not, if they told students that they had slept really well, then they performed better on cognitive tests. And if they told students that the, mach- you know, the machine said you slept really poorly, then you, they performed more poorly on cognitive tests regardless of how well they had actually slept. So just by being aware of what your sleep score is actually has an effect on improving your sleep. Yeah, I think it was Lord Kelvin that said that that which gets tracked gets improved or something along those lines, right? So uh, that uh, just by virtue of tracking something means that you give it a little bit of attention. And uh, so, you know, I I think... There's two sides to this this business of of the idea of if I'm tracking something, I, I want to make use of it. But at the same time, even Chris Dancy has said that you know, some of the things that he's tracked, he hasn't necessarily had a use for it going in. Uh, but that you know, he just tracked it because it was something that could be done without effort. And 
and, and then found some, some uses for it after the fact. So uh, it, it's not necessarily uh, the case that, you know, hey, don't, don't do anything. D- don't track something unless you've got a specific use for it. I think ha- having information, if it doesn't require a lot of effort and time to, to, to acquire it, why not? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Well, that's all the links that I wanted to share for today. So thank you guys again for being the co-hosts for this particular episode. And let's get to the interview with Jesse Lawler. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, I. And now for feature interview. Okay, so I am now speaking with Jesse Lawler of the Smart Drug Smarts podcast, the podcast so smart that it's got smart in the title twice. Right, Jesse? (laughs) Yes, it does. Thank you. So I have to warn everybody, uh, this is one of those like one in 20 interviews where I'm going to be a little gushing because I just, I love Jesse's podcast so much. I think this is such a great podcast. So thank you, first of all, Jesse. For doing hey, it. Well, my, my pleasure. I'm glad this is just a podcast and not a TV interview because I'm blushing because yeah, it, it, it's weird for me to hear that because like I, I'm I'm a hobbyist podcaster. So to um to, to, to get comments like that is just it just really does my heart good. Well, thank you. So now, first of all, uh, smart smart drug smarts is uh, obviously it's about things that make you smarter or things that are it's about nootropics, about all sorts of things. When I first started listening to it. In my mind, I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to an episode of Modafinil and an episode about Adderall probably, and then I'll be done with this podcast. But the truth is, is that Jesse actually covers things that I, I would never even think of to talk to an expert about regarding how the brain works and stuff. So first of all, how'd the podcast get started? You know, it, it, it was something, it's just weird. I wanted to start a podcast. I was kind of like, I was looking for something a little bit creative to do. I had gotten out of the film industry where I'd been working for a while and was working in tech again. And I was kind of feeling like I, I was like the technical parts of my brain were engaged, but I still kind of wanted something that I felt like I could put a little bit more of like an authorial thumbprint on. And um, I knew some people that were doing podcasts and it, you know, there, there are all sorts of good things that were happening in their life, both creatively and business wise that came out of that. And so I was kind of just thinking, okay, what could I do within this medium? And I knew that you know, to for it to be something that would I would stick with for the long haul, it would need to be a subject that I'd been interested in forever. I would continue to be interested in forever, and um, kind of like science and brain stuff and psychology and neuroscience were, were all kinds of things that I'd, I'd like really seriously considered maybe going into them professionally, but it wound up sort of veering another direction. But I knew that that interest was going to be sustaining for me. And so, you know, I just figured that I was going to start an interview-based podcast where I wouldn't necessarily need to be, you know, a domain expert on on the things that I was going to be talking about and just, you know, be an inquisitive layperson asking questions from people that I wanted to talk with anyway. And that's sort of how the podcast was born. Yeah. So, and again, when you go into so many topics that I, I, I obviously like, there, you know, okay, this thing's going to affect the brain, but I just wouldn't have expected that you'd cover them. Like there was an episode you did on eating fish, basically. You remember that? I mean, of course, you remember yeah, yeah. That, that's actually one of my favorite ones. I think it was number fifty-one with uh, Dr. Michael Crawford. Yeah. Okay. So that was one of my favorite ones as well. So let's talk about that for a second. Like, you know, people should absolutely go and listen to the episode, and we're going to put a link to that in the show notes because it is—it's one of my favorites. But you know, Jesse chose a uh, expert on on e- basically eating fish for your brain, and <laughs> you know, it's it's like I feel like I'm I'm like stumbling on myself because I'm so excited to talk to you about this, but it's like. You, you could have so easily been like, okay, I'm going to do an episode on every different smart drug, but you, you've gone into such a wider variety of stuff. So how did you pick 
How'd you pick that, for instance? You know, that one, was, so th- that was actually our second fish episode. You might remember, um, God, it was maybe maybe 20 episodes before that. We had an interview with a guy who um, had basically given advice to uh, doctors, like ER doctors on severe brain trauma people. And uh, one of the sort of the experimental research methods that they used when people were had so much brain damage that they're just like, hey, we might as well try anything because they're probably going to be a vegetable for the rest of their life anyway. And they started giving them hyper doses of um, basically omega-3 oil, of, of fish oil, and uh, had some some pretty dramatic recoveries. Anyway, that guy, um, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, which means I probably haven't been having enough fish oil, but he referenced this this other doctor who we subsequently interviewed, Dr. Michael Crawford, and, and Dr. Michael Crawford's work has sort of changed a lot of people's opinion about the actual origin of the human species, whether we evolved on the plains of Africa, Dr. Michael Crawford says, well, no, that's not possible. There really wouldn't have been enough omega-3s in the diets that would have been available on the African savanna to account for this massive expansion of the size of the human brain between you know, Australopithecus and Homo sapiens, where the, the actual volume of the brain tripled in size over the course of a couple million years. And where we could, where could we have gotten that much omega-3s within our diets, it would have needed to be on the seashore where seafood has an abundance of these omega-3 fatty acids. And, you know, it just kind of, my, my head exploded in that first interview thinking, wow, this you know, <laughs> actually changed the, um, the way that we, we conceive of the origin of the human species. I got to talk with this guy. And so then I, I you know, went across the, the multi-month process of trying to get in touch with uh, Dr. Crawford and you know, get him to agree to be on the show. And, and it, you know, you ask... You know, why didn't we just, you know, do the Adderall episode, do the Modafinil episode, do some paracetams, you know, forget about it. Um, part of it just because it takes time to get people scheduled that are, are really the, the subject matter experts in each of these things. There's a lot of the, um, I guess, sort of name brand things people think of when they think of nootropics that you know, we still haven't had an episode on yet. And we're already about 60 episodes deep, but, uh, you know, that's, that's going to keep us going for quite a while. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that, and that's always a challenge for me sometimes when I think of a really interesting topic that I'd like to talk to somebody about is, is figuring out who that expert is. Uh, and, and you've gotten some just great interviews on the podcast. So it's that, that's, that to me is, is always sort of an interesting pursuit. Um, now, you have obviously tried several nootropics. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've tried, I, I guess, maybe about like 10 different things sort of within the uh, the nootropics umbrella at this point. And there's still plenty that I haven't. Um, I, I kind of don't want to be the guy who, you know, pops all the pills in the refrigerator at once because that's right. you know, not much of a way to see what would happen. And probably, probably more ways to do that wrong than right. But, um, but yeah, I've got a few that I sort of continually come back to. And every now and then I'll, I'll try something else. Well, and so what have you found personally to be really effective? The, the things that are kind of in my, my standard rotation, I'm, I'm a big fan of modafinil and armodafinil, which I sort of find to be focus enhancers when I, when I know what I want to be doing and I know that I'm going to be probably wanting to do it with the blinders on for a sustained time. Those are sort of my go-tos. Um, sort of on the flip side, almost the opposite, when, I, when I'm kind of wanting to do like whiteboard style thinking for creativity, um, there's one of the racetams called Anaracetam that I found to be quite good for that. Um, every now and then, you might remember the nicotine episode that we yes, did. Yes, yes. Um, was another one of my favorites. And I, I never thought, I mean, I've, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, so I, I shouldn't be the guy with a nicotine patch on my shoulder, but probably about one day a week, I'll, I'll smack a nicotine patch on my shoulder. And um, I, I do enjoy the, um, 
sort of the distinctive uptick in, I, I guess I would almost call it like aggressiveness that I feel um, with nicotine. So, so yeah, like I said, there, there's a few of these things. Um, caffeine plus L-theanine is another one that's sort of continually within my rotation. Um, L-theanine is an interesting one because it's supposed to um, promote the release of the neurotransmitter called GABA, uh, G-A-B-A, which is is thought of as sort of being a calming um a calming uh, neurotransmitter within the brain. But I actually find that uh, a combination caffeine plus L-theanine pill has much more of an uptick for me personally than, than drinking a cup of coffee that should have quite a bit more caffeine than the actual caffeine pill. So it's weird. I mean, these things seem like it's, it's very not one size fits all in how different people respond to things. And I guess maybe that shouldn't be a huge surprise, but it's something that I find myself continually surprised by. No, and that's absolutely true because, um, for instance, me, I react really well, or I mean, I have a very positive effect from anything that basically increases acetylcholine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and we all react to different neurotransmitters differently, but, you know, alpha brain, uh, choline force from Bulletproof, like all of those do really well for me. Uh, personally, have, well, actually, have you ever tried Cognity? Uh, no, I haven't. But you know, I, I follow them on Twitter, and uh, yeah, I, I've seen quite a bit of stuff from them recently. I'd li- I'd like to try Cognity. It's it's another um basically L-theanine uh, is is added to that. Is that correct? Yeah. So I I love Cognity. Actually, it's it's pretty much part of my general morning routine now, and it's and I've talked about it on the podcast, so my, a lot of my users know this. But you know, for for those listening in for the first time about me mentioning Cognity, uh, it's basically it's got like. I think 20 ingredients or so in it, but uh, it's got green tea and yerba mate and peppermint and guarana and ginseng and, and, uh, and L-theanine. Yeah. And so, uh, and it also has ginkgo below, but it's got a couple other things in it, but it's, it's basically, it's like a little cocktail of good things for your brain. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I've actually started drinking a little bit less coffee and a little more tea recently. So, uh, I'll, I'll get that in my mix. Yeah, so I actually I'm I'm a rare rare coffee drinker, so I I really enjoy the cognitive experience. But again, the point is that you know different strokes for different folks, and really, and not only that, um, and and as you sort of already pointed out, there are different ones for different situations as well. Yeah, I I, I kind of think you know, overall evolution has done a great job with our brain. It, it it's, seems naive to think that we're going to be able to add, you know, one little pellet and everybody's brain is going to explode and get a million times better. Um, I, I think as far as sort of, um, you know, cross training uh, cognitively, our, our brain is already in a real good shape, assuming that we don't, you know, poison it with toxins and, and make a bunch of bad lifestyle choices. But I think that there are points where um, if we're willing to accept like a little bit of a teeter-totter situation, like, you know, if, if you're a little bit more focused, you're probably necessarily like a little less like emotionally open or whatever, because you're you're super focused on what you're trying to get done. And and so if we recognize that there are some sort of trade-offs um, within the various states of cognition that are available to us, then we can start thinking about things like specific nootropics to push us in, in one direction or another temporarily um, to, to just take advantage of the state that we want to be in. Yeah. And it's, it's so I've never used uh, Adderall, but I've had four or five people tell me that they felt like, you know, they lo- like they'd say like, I love Adderall, but it kills your creativity, which makes mm-hmm. sense, you know, right. Cause it's going to stop your mind from sort of wandering and thinking abstractly. So that, yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Now, um, yeah, I, I've yet to try Adderall myself. It, it, it's kind of like I almost felt like the Adderall episode that we had was like the scared straight episode. The, the you know doctor who I interviewed did a good job um, 
really pointing out that what some of these drugs that are made for people that are on the you know ADHD spectrum, what they do to brains that are not on the ADHD spectrum is distinctively different. It's like the, the sort of middle of the road, um, you know, bell-shaped curve brain person who takes a drug that's made for people with ADHD is, is really getting a very different effect, um, both cognitively and also physiologically. And um, it, it sounds like something probably not to play with. That said, um, and I'm, I'm not recommending this for anybody else, I'm just saying sort of as a personal choice, I would probably, I probably at some point in the future will try Adderall and, and Ritalin, you know, once or twice, just so I can kind of have a basis for comparison when I'm talking with people about different things. But um, yeah, both of those seems like ones that would never be on my list to sort of be in the, um, in my rotation of things that I go back to. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I actually, I, I, I want to try, I mean, I like to try everything, but I want to try them as well. And I, <laughs> I always, I find myself waiting for the right occasion. And I, I don't know what that means as far as like trying Adderall with the right occasion. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for prom night or something like that to take your skirt off. Well, so I have three kids uh, under the age of three. And so yeah. my household is kind of crazy. And so for me, I'm always worried that like, the next day I'm not going to be able to take care of the kids with my wife very well. And so like, it's, it's just one of those like things in the back of my mind. It's just kind of funny. Um, so what, okay. So you mentioned a couple of your, the ones that you sort of circle back to what are, so, and you also mentioned Adderall is one you want to try. What's one of the other sort of nootropics out there that you really want to try? Hmm. Uh, you know, actually, I really want to get my hands on uh, Rhodiola rosea. Uh, you probably remember that episode from a few episodes I, back. I got my mom on it after that episode, actually. Yeah, I, the, the the really annoying thing. So I was just um, I was back in Oregon visiting my mom and dad for the um, the Christmas holiday, and I I just left, and I, I had some Rhodiola. I was I was planning on sort of doing a trip down the West Coast as I made my way out of there, and so I had a, a friend a couple hours south of where my parents lived that I had some Rhodiola rosea shipped to her house. I was going to get it there. We were going to do our rhodiola rosea together and blah, blah, blah. And then my, my travel plans changed. And so I, I shipped like six cartons of rhodiola rosea to a friend who's probably enjoying them now, but I still haven't gotten a chance to try it out. Yeah. So I, my, my mother is one of those people who's like, go, go, go all the time. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested. She's been using it, I think, for about a week now. So I, I actually have to sort of circle back and see what she thinks of it. But the, the idea of a healthy response to stress is... It's something I think most people could use. So, yeah, it was funny because I mean, you, you remember from that episode, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, the things she had to say about it, almost, almost to the point where, like, like you know, she had medical credentials and all that stuff, and like there, there was there was nothing that like made me feel wavery about the competence of the guest, except that there was almost like no dark spots on her assessment of this compound. Yeah, and it was just like always, kind of like makes me like you know, squeeze up a little bit, just like, wait, really? There's, there's nothing bad about it to say, but, um, yeah, it, it sounded like a heck of a, uh, heck of a plant. So, and are there any ones that, that you've considered for the podcast or maybe even talked to an expert and you were like, this really can't like, you don't believe it or, you know, not other than their snake oil episode with, uh, with Drew Bernie. Yeah. Um, so like a, an interview that I've had that I, I think after, after the interview is quackery. Yeah. <laughs> Or, um, or something that you considered for an episode and you're like, no, there's just, this is, this can't be something that's going to be real. That, wow. That, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, cause yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that I kind of want to 
want to look into, but like, I'm not really sure if, if there's any science behind it. Like, okay. So for example, I, I spoke recently, um, at, at a Christmas party I went to, one of the guys that happened to be there was, was into, you know, energy healing and stuff like that. And, and things that I generally think of as being sort of like woo woo, you know, airy fairy, yes. not, not much science behind them. Um, he was talking about something, uh, called EFT, which is when, when people like tap on their face and various points on their body, kind of like emotional a, freedom. Yeah. Acupuncture without the needles kind of thing. Um, I have not looked into this. I mean, on, on first glance, it seems like more likely to be bogus than not, but, but honestly, I, I don't know yet. And it's like, so that's like an interview that I'm, I'm considering, but I guess I kind of almost want to do some pre-research to decide whether I'm, I'm vectoring off into just fantasy land, um, you know, before wasting somebody's time by having them interviewed and then be like, Hey, sorry, dude, I, I don't buy this shtick. Um, but, but to a certain extent, I mean, I kind of feel like even an interview like that might be interesting to do and just let people listen to it. Because again, the, the podcast was started and, and still really is about people just kind of getting to, to share my, um, my, my curiosity into these things. And if I interview somebody and you know, I, I decide, hey, you know, this sounds like crazy quack stuff, um, there, there's no reason not to share that with the audience. The, the only question, I guess, is then it becomes one of... Um, sort of politeness to the guest. I, I don't want to have somebody on and then after the words in the epilogue say, hey, audience, by the way, I think this person's total bullshit, but right. <laughs> it just becomes sort of an ethical thing. Right, of course. Uh, well, so like uh, one example that I have in my head is was at least TDCS and I had Nathan Whitmore on my, my podcast well and I, and I don't feel that way anymore. Um, but originally I was like, there's no way that this is this is really going to work. Um, but I, I, I did a lot of other research on it and, and However, that is one of the, you know, trans, uh, for, I'm sorry for people who don't know what I'm Transcranial about. direct current stimulation. Right. And, and that is one where I feel like the jury is really divided. Like there's some people who really don't think that it works and there's some people who swear by it. There are, you know, studies on that though that, that are showing people are having distinctive responses depending on where the electrodes are placed. Um, that, that, you know, for, a, I think the time horizon is like, what, three to five hours afterwards? Right. That people do perform differently, not necessarily better. It depends where the, where the electrodes are placed, um, but, but are, are having different performance levels. Um, is that not correct? Or are those studies themselves in question? No, no, no. I, of course. And, you know, but uh, just because there's studies, you know, as always, there could be a study to the opposite. But I feel like a, a lot of right. people. But that, the thing is, is the placement seems to be such a variable the placement, yeah. you know, the current. So that, that I think is probably part of the problem. Uh, but to me, it seems like it's totally legit <laughs> at this point. Yeah. It's, it, it, it seems to me kind of like, I mean, I guess the, the problem with all these things with the brain is that like the brain is so hyper specific yeah. and everything that we have now is kind of a blunt instrument. It's like putting a chemical into your bloodstream. That's going to reach probably every cell in your body to affect like those couple of cells that matter for whatever the particular application is. Or in the case of, uh, you know, TDCS of, you know, putting something on the outside of your scalp that needs to penetrate through your scalp, through your skull, and, and then, you know, stimulate sort of a batch of, of, um, you know, Gaussian, a Gaussian distribution of neurons, like just on the inside of that area of your skull, again, to try to make them slightly more likely to fire when who knows exactly what neural networks, um, you know, would, would be the exact specific ones for the effects you're trying to get. I, I just kind of feel like medical technology changing at the speed that everything is now, 25, 30 years from now, these are going to seem just like brute force applications that are, that are so naive. Yeah, of course. So, what are some of the you know, without giving away like guests or anything like that, and and maybe 
maybe giving us a hint about your military clearance requirement. What are some uh, technologies or, or uh, nootropics rather that you're, you're excited to find out more about? Um, let's see. I, I simply, for my own personal curiosity, I really want to have, and I'm trying to find an expert that can talk to me about the differences between um, modafinil, armodafinil, and something called adrafinil, yeah. which are you know three chemicals in a family, and sort of parse apart what what each of those three do and what the differences are. Um, that's one that I'm looking forward to. We're still trying to find the right expert. There's something called uh, depranil that. You know, on the face of it, seems like a really, really interesting drug. It, it, um, you know, metabolizes in your body into some sort of methamphetamine, not a, some sort of amphetamine. I'm not sure if it's a methamphetamine, so I don't want to um, get that wrong. But I, I, I really want to do an episode on that. It sounds super interesting. I actually, I did get in touch a couple of times with the guy who invented the compound, but he, he doesn't sound terribly talkative. And then I heard him interviewed, <laughs> and he also has an incredibly thick accent that's, um, pretty much going to be incomprehensible to you or me or any American. So I'm, I'm trying to find sort of a, a fallback expert that could talk about Depranil, um, you know, sometime in the next couple of months here. And then, then I've got, you know, a, a lot of different things that would relate to, you know, brains and psychology and sleep hacks and, and things like that, that aren't necessarily um, sort of, you know, core nootropics topics. But I think anybody that's interested in the topic of, of, you know, brain and cognitive enhancement will definitely enjoy some of these episodes that are kind of like, you know, skittering around the edges of the subject. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then actually, what about like, uh, not necessarily a compound per se, but any sort of physical thing. I know you mentioned the EFT before, but are there any sort of physical things that that you uh, you've explored as far as you know improving brain function? Um, Other than yoga, it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, what, you know we haven't done this episode yet, but there's a guy named um, Dr. Michael or no, no, I'm sorry, Dr. John Rady, who uh, wrote a book called Spark. You familiar with this book? Um, vaguely, this, but you know you can. Tell okay, so, so, yeah, this this was a book for maybe. Uh, two or three years ago, and he's getting ready, I think, to do a follow-up book. Basically, he was looking at like the last 10 years of um, you know, various studies dealing with exercise and cognition and kind of some of the commonalities that it, it, it's really looking more and more like your brain is never more turned on and ready to do you know, high-level processing of whatever you throw at it than during the four to five-hour block just after like an extremely hard workout. So you know, it, it, it's obviously, it's, it's great for your brain to take a walk. It's great for your bl- brain to jog around the block. But basically, the higher you get your heart rate, the really the more intensity of the exercise, the more that your brain's going to be switched on for a several hour window afterwards. So um, I, I found um, the studies that he cites in that book, one after another, after another, really, really compelling. And it's changed both my workout strategy and also my workout timing um, as far as sort of when I, when I try to get my, my you know, big athletic stuff into my days. And, and really, I pushed everything to the beginning now of um, recognizing that it, for me personally, I'm more of a morning person than a night person. I know that I'm going to get a lot more done in the first half of my day than the second half. And so I'll oftentimes on my workout days, just, you know, start the day with a workout, you know, sit down in a coffee shop, you know, get some coffee, sit back, not eat any food until lunch, but have, uh, you know, a little caffeine in the belly, the workout recently completed and, uh, you know, the sleep recently had and know that like that next, you know, six hour block is going to be when I get, you know, maybe, you know, 12 hours of normal Jesse time accomplished. Yeah. So I, I CrossFitters should be geniuses then basically. <laughs> it, it, one would think it, it's funny. We've got such a, um, 
sort of a, a cultural archetype, at least our, in our imaginations of the dumb jock. But, you know, it really couldn't be further from the truth as far as what physiology tells us. Yeah, that's and, and it shouldn't be surprising. It's like we have this this dumb idea left over from who knows what of this like mind body separation that you know the 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 thin nerd with the glasses that sits around all day reading is is the really smart one and like you know musculature and intelligence are somehow like opposite ends of a spectrum and it's just like no no that's not right right it's like the human uh, human specimen yeah um, okay so Jesse so the last question I always like to ask on these interviews is what are your top three personal tips for being more effective? And, and you can interpret that how you like. It's not, this is about nootropics or, you know, it could be about podcasting, business, anything. Your top three tips for people to be more effective. Mm, okay. Let's see. I think number one, I, I'm, I'm pulling these out of a hat here, Good. but take, take a lot of, um, Take a lot of stock in what like your closest friends who really know you well say about your strengths and weaknesses. We are all so blinded when it comes to ourselves that you know it, it's kind of like I, I guess I knew this about like girlfriends back when I was in college. It's like I, I knew not to trust my own instincts on girlfriends. Like ask your buddies what they think. Hey, is this girl good for me? Is she not? Blah blah blah. But I think <laughs> that whole idea can be applied to everything. Like we we are all horrible at making. Um, you know, super analytical judgments about our own lives. And so, um, you know, keep, keep those friends that are close that you've had for a long time, really apprised of what you're doing and check in with them frequently and, uh, see if you're going off the rails in any sort of way. So I, that, that's one. Um, I think for me personally, um, when I've gotten into trouble, it's been, because I've tried to do too many things in too many different directions at one time. And I think a, a lack of focus and sort of letting my optimism run away with me and thinking that I could, you know, juggle 17 chainsaws at once has, has definitely gotten me into trouble more than once. Um, so I, th- I think uh, just protecting your ability to focus by not saying yes to too many things is probably a huge one. I, I know that that's the sort of concept that you probably drumbeat a lot. Um, and let's see, number three. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess number three for me would be a uh, healthy diet and really removal of, of all the toxins that you can from your diet. I know that's going to mean different things to different people. Some people have their favorite toxins they really don't want to get rid of. But all the kind of stuff that, that I talk about on the podcast with trying to you know add this little thing to soup up your brain or your cognition or your overall life, um, you know, those can get some incremental gains, but I think if people are undercutting themselves by having some, some really nasty lifestyle choices of which diet, I think is probably the, the single most, um, the single most effective one is in it can have a, either have bad effects or good effects. Then I, I think, you know, laying a really healthy, um, you know, foundation for your physiology is probably the, the single biggest hack that anybody can make. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I couldn't agree with those more. So uh, Jesse, it's been a, enormous pleasure for me to talk to you today and hey you know. well, me too man i had a great time <laughs> well thank you so much and uh, so please just you know get, we'll have the show notes of course but give people the url so they can find out more and subscribe to the podcast yeah absolutely the podcast is called smart drug smarts and the pod, uh, the website's at smartdrugsmarts.com we've also got a mobile app called axon which we're uh, continually tweaking around with it's um a, a lot of the same stuff is on the podcast but we're also going to be adding some um uh, features related to quantified self stuff and keeping track of, you know, what things you're doing on what days and how your cognition and emotions result from it. So th- th- these are things that are going to be coming down the road in the next couple of months, but yeah, I definitely want to uh, 
let people know that the app exists as well. But yeah, smartdrugsmarts.com. I would love it if people would check us out. We're also going to put up a, um, a webpage specific for less doing. So we're going to have within probably 24 hours, we'll have smartdrugsmarts.com slash less doing and specifically reference some of the, um, the podcast episodes that I think would be of interest to your listeners. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, keep doing what you're doing because I love it. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now, here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I've designed this event to make sure you do take action. Because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money, because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world? Or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you. Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis. We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my Less Doing Certified Coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event, you have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our Less Doing Certified Coaches in a free 45-minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of. Now, as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call, I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, Less Doing, More Living. Thanks for listening.